start off and try to give us a little groundwork, and then I'll, I'll pass it off to Julie, who's going to take us to the summit. Um, so I have, a, I have a degree in philosophy, so I would like to look to the foundations of things, kind of the essentials, uh, state the obvious in really tricky terms. That's yeah. the sort of thing that we like to do as philosophers. Um, so some of this uh, might be fairly obvious, but it's helpful to, to focus in, give us the framework, give us a perspective so we're all on the, on the same page uh, so that we can go into the, into the meat of what we want to talk about. Okay, first of all, all right, philosopher, I ask why. Why small groups? So we'll start with the word group. We are social creatures. We are social creatures. Uh, first, we see this, and we just see this in, in nature. The very way we come into existence, right? The very way we are born, right? Comes from a relationship. Comes from a relationship between man and woman. And if you look at the theological side too, right? If we're made in the image and likeness of God, and God is Trinity, right? He's in relationship, if we're in that image and likeness, then we are in relationship, right? It's, it's inherent in our existence, in our being. We can't come into being without a relationship. We are necessarily the son or daughter of parents. And being in the image and likeness of God, we see that. We're made for relationship. And so if our very existence can't happen solo, purely singular, right? It happens necessarily in relationship and in connection to other people, do you think there's anything you can do purely solo, right? Purely by yourself without relationship. No. So that includes growing closer to God, right? Growing in faith, uh, uniting ourselves to God. We just can't do it by ourselves. Uh, we, it happens in relationship. We need each other to, to help each other along the way. Uh, we grow with each other. We learn from each other. We have to share our hearts with each other. Uh, it's really difficult to practice the virtue of charity without other people around, right? <laughs> Unless you're being super charitable towards yourself, and that can only get you so far. Um, I tried. I tried. I tried really, really hard, actually, to do this completely by myself. Uh, no help. I'm just going to charge ahead. I'm going to form my own virtue. I was very willful and very independent for a long time. Um, I still kind of am that way, but I'm working on it. <laughs> and I, I can see now how I need other people. I just can't do it by myself. Um, so we see that, right? That's, that's obvious. We know that. We have a natural sense of that. Uh, but in case there's any doubt left in your minds, this is how Jesus did it too, right? There's thousands of people following Christ, right? In his public ministry, think of the, the multiplication of the loaves, right? This is a huge crowd. And they're, they're following Jesus around like groupies, right? This guy is awesome, right? He's doing miracles. He's teaching us the truth. It's, it's waking us up. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. But he calls 12. He calls 12 disciples to follow him in a very intentional way, to teach them, to form them, to grow closer to them, uh, to kind of love them in a deeper way, uh, in a more one-on-one -on -one contact way. And then even from those 12, right, he has Peter, John, and James, who are the closest, right? Think of the transfiguration, right? It's Jesus and Peter, John, and James go up the mountain. It's just those three, right? There's a small group right there. There's, there's Jesus' small group. He's got his, uh, his three closest friends. Um, I mean, you know, we see too John calling himself the beloved, right? In, in a way, the, that relationship, there's something uh, special there if he's able to call himself the beloved. So there's a sense of, of closer community. So we need groups. We need groups. We need people. 
Um, the other part, small, why small? Well, because as the, as the video stated, right, it's about sharing our feelings. It's about uh, going deeper. It's even about sharing your sins, being vulnerable with one another. And we just can't do that with everyone, right? We can only do it with the people we trust so that we're not wounded in the process. Um, and nobody wants their, their deepest, darkest secrets out on, on public media, right, for everyone to know and see. Uh, so we, we form these small groups hopefully naturally, of people we trust more. Or, you know, if it's, if it's kind of set up, right, maybe not everyone knows each other in the small group, then that's what you go through first, right? You just go through a process of getting to know each other, of building that trust. So they have a springboard, so you have a foundation to go deeper. And that's why it's small, so you can go deeper uh, into the more difficult stuff and really work through the problems that we can't just fight through on our own. The, uh, the particular sins that we're stuck on, right, that we need to get past, we need other people's help to do that. That's what the small group's for, just kind of in general, to give us a, a sense, a framework uh, of that. So, right, it's, it's inherent in who we are as human beings and as being made an image and likeness of God, and Jesus himself did it. So we, you know, he gives us the model for, for everything. And having, choosing 12 to follow, and then even of the 12, choosing three that he's, he's closer to. So that's kind of the, uh, the foundation framework I wanted to give you, and I'll pass it off to Julie to take on to that. Okay. Um, so thank you for being here today, and I'm very excited to be here. And um, in praying about this talk and preparing for this talk, I, I am the kind of person who thinks in analogies. So hiking to the summit, I went full force in the thinking about this um, conference and this talk in particular. And um, so I was thinking about, go to the map. There we go. I was thinking about when you go hiking and there, if you have a mountain to climb, there are many trails and paths usually up to the top and some are easier and some are harder. And if I was asked to go with some friends and go hike like the Grand Teton Mountain, I probably would start to prepare because that's a pretty big mountain. And I would have to make a pack and get ready and figure out what gear I needed and how to get ready for that trip. Well, we are all on a journey. And I kind of thought about how God prepares our pack and gives us lots of tools and lots of gear to grow closer to him and take that journey to him. And there are lots of tools in our pack that sometimes when you're hiking, um, we don't always even need, like sunglasses are a really great thing to have, but you don't have to use sunglasses. They might make your trip a little better, that maybe you're not the person who would use it. And there are things in your pack you probably have to have. So I was thinking about how the pack that God gives us and packs it, this is awesome, great teammate, um, how God provides a lot for us on our journey as we grow closer to him, and we're going closer to him on our hike, um, on our journey in this world. And some things he's given us you have to have, like water sustains you. You have to pretty much take on those treks with water. Most people pack at least the water bottle, like we would have the sacraments. Um, but there are also other things in that pack that aren't accessed as much. And so I'm here today to try to inspire lively faith through small faith-sharing groups. 
And so I'd be the person to tie right into what um, Jim was saying about, I'm that person who's trying to let you know today, you know, there's that great restaurant or movie and you're really excited. Well, small faith sharing groups are that to me. I am here and said yes because they have made a huge impact in my life. And every now and then I'll get emotional about that because it's been big. <laughs> so I'm the person who would come along and say, you know what? You've got some hiking poles there and it makes your trip easier. Why don't you use them? And I'd be like, oh, really? Okay. And I tried hiking poles. And that did happen. A friend of mine told me about hiking poles. And why don't I use them? And I was hiking up the mountain. And I didn't, you know, yeah, okay. It's like something to hold. I don't know. I didn't really think it was much. But I stuck with it, kept using them. And on the way down, I was like, wow, that is helpful on the way down. A lot easier on my knees. I kind of like it. So I'm here to talk about that small faith sharing group and just kind of share with you why I'm so passionate about it and why I'm hoping this conference, and as you, you hear today, um, Randy gave us great philosophy behind why it's important, and I want to give you just how it's impacted me personally and my experience with it, and that that may light a fire in you to go out and join, start, begin some small faith sharing groups in your life. So as I was thinking about um, my experiences, I can tell you I've been in small faith sharing groups for 14 years, and I know that specifically because I remember the day I was asked to join them. And I was already a member of Blessed Sacrament Church by then for about six years, and they put in the bulletin all the time, there's this Mother's Bible study. It never hit me, it never rang with me, I didn't even know it existed. So one of the things that I really want to um, impart to you is that if you're in a group and you have room for more, invite others. Or if there's groups happening that you know of, don't assume people know about them or that they're happening. And if you feel it on your heart to, to start one, start praying about that and listen to that. Because I really think the grass moment movement of small faith sharing groups could have a huge impact on our church and the mission of our church um, simply because of how much has impacted my life. Um, so someone had asked me, do you want to join our Mother's Bible Study Group? And just like that beginning video joked around, like really how hard is that to join a Mother's Bible Study? But this is what I heard. A Bible study group? I don't know anything about the Bible. You have to like ask questions and answer questions about the Bible. You have to know something. I can't do that. And I was kind of like, no, I'm not going to join the group, and I don't know them, and they're probably all these holy people, and I can't share myself with them, and had many reservations. But um, I had been born and raised Catholic and had a faith life and had um, been an infant in wondering about what does it mean to have a relationship with Christ instead of just know about him. So I thought, well... Maybe that's God calling to me to figure out how to have that relationship. So I joined my friend and went to the Bible study. And one of the things I learned from that study was, wow, God's word is alive. And now for some of you, that might seem like, yeah, we know that. But I feel like I am, you know, an infant in my faith, and I did the basic things of my faith that you do, but... 
I didn't, there were just lots of questions and I hear things, but I don't really understand them or know how it looks or how to implement it. And so alive, you know, the, the God's word is alive and it's the living word started to become alive to me. I, I understood it and I started to understand. And so I splashed up here lots of different faith sharing groups that I was in. And so in Mother's Bible Study, I shared that I was part of that group for not very long. I don't know, maybe a year or two. And pretty soon they turned to me and said, can you facilitate it? And I was like, whoa, I'm still a baby. I don't really know anything yet. What do you mean can I facilitate it? But I loved the group, and it was having a powerful impact on me, and it wasn't working for the leader we had. And so I prayed about it. And I was still an infant that I don't even know if I really knew how to hear the answers to those prayers. So I prayed about it some more, and I kept thinking that fear of, okay, I'm a teacher, but I teach what I know. I know elementary reading, writing, math. I don't know Bible, I don't know theology, I don't know, like, how am I supposed to do that? How do you step in front of people and go, okay, but I thought about what had just been modeled to me, what I was experiencing, and what the experience was meaning to me, and I just couldn't let it go. So I said yes, and God provides. And so we always have to go back to that, God will provide. So these little blurbs are like, oh, I started to, like, well, how did you do that? How did you know to say some history of the Bible? How did you know that the church hooks the first reading to the gospel read? I don't know those things. How do you know that? The church provided me with resources and commentary and what people to talk to. And God is good. He provides. And I led that group, I don't know how long, several years. And it was amazing, a blessing. Um, people would ask me, how come you're spending so much time doing that? Because some of my fears were I was a mother of, at that time, I had three young kids. Um, and I kept thinking, well, I can't take away from my mission as mother, from my vocation, and when am I going to have time to do this, and how is it going to fit in? It fit. God provided. I was able to study in the evening after they went to bed, and I was engrossed in the knowledge. God was leading me in amazing ways that I couldn't get enough of the studying part. So I was studying, but I brought that on myself as God was drawing me closer to him, and it didn't feel like work or, or that I was short on time. It felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. And then, um, then I started back to work, and I couldn't facilitate that group any longer, but I did not want to miss out on a small faith sharing group. And I had been invited to another one. And then again, had the fear of, well, now I'm teaching in a mom. How do I? But I had learned enough along the way to know I need to be in prayer. And I need to be praying. And God does provide. So I joined this next study. And um, so from that point till now, God truly has taken me on my journey hiking with small faith-sharing groups in amazing ways. And part of what we want to have you take away from this is we want you to know it doesn't have to be hard. The studying I did was where God was leading me. But I was also in a group of 
of studying a book that comes out, and we read it, and we met twice to talk about it. That was just a, a simple, like, when you meet for maybe book studies with people or a book club. You know, we just started making clubs based on a book from the church, from our faith. Um, then I was in prayer groups that we involved, like, our spouses sometimes, or we studied church history, and sometimes we study prayer. And as I can stand here now and look back, how I would, like, I just can't even imagine where I'd be without small faith sharing groups. I had been in a relationship, I thought, at church, because we're together, and I understood we're in communion together, but having shared it at a deeper level and saying, how do you have time for prayer? I can't fit it in. And what do you mean when you say, and talking it over with people, and that's how it becomes part of us and how we grow in sharing with others, it has been just vital to my faith life. And so I've, I've studied lots of different, um, been part of different groups and groups that we study different books and forms. Um, let me do one quick check on my note cards because my note cards are really to help me keep it, I can talk a bit, so it's trying to help me keep it focused. So I want to just be sure I'm hitting some of the big things. Um, so one of the things I would want to say if you are a leader or in a group or facilitating, thank you. Because without you, I wouldn't be here today. Without the person who stepped up and led the group I first started, I would not be here. So thank you to those who are. If you feel it on your heart, please start praying about it and see if that's where you're being led and what you need to be, what your mission could be. And then, this is the emotional part. Through small faith sharing groups, I started to learn the next slide, prayer. Because I had been called, and God has led me, and he leads us, I believe, to what we need for formation and information and keep going down this path. And I know I have a long way to go, but he has led me to learning about prayer. One of the prayers, and you saw like um, discernment of spirits, and how that impacted me was to truly walk my day more understanding what we have been learning these past couple days. Learning about those movements of our heart and how we respond to them. People used to say, you have to know Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus. And I'd be like, I don't know. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that look like? I don't, I don't know. I would hope so, but I don't get it. I don't really know. And to discern what the Spirit and the moment move moment to moment parts of my day are or the movements of my heart are I didn't get it I don't know but there were a lot of us in our group that didn't get it and didn't know and so we studied it and we talked it over and if we needed somebody to ask questions to God gives us all kinds of people we can ask questions to our priests and the laity and the diocesan and they give us tools to help us on this journey well one of the prayers that I studied which um is the Lexio Divina, is because I was with a group of people who wanted to study prayer. And so if you are searching for that relationship and know people, make a small group. 
and start to study it. And you have resources that can give you books. And then there's even a little cheat sheet of Lexio Divina Susan Safford gives out. And I have learned prayer on my own and went, and you try to do it. And there's questions that come up and you're not really sure. And is this right? But talking it over. Nobody in our group's an expert. Nobody in our group was the teacher. Nobody is in the know who had all the answers. But together we learn and we we study and grow. And so in my Lexio Divina, and I guess I'm sharing this just to keep harping on how powerful small prayer groups are and how thankful I am for them and how I want to encourage you to, um, like if you're here, I kind of think or assume you are one that is seeking knowledge and you are one who has been um, led by God in many ways in his discipleship, and that I really highly encourage you to start spreading that and sharing that with others, and particularly in small faith groups where you're actually going at deeper levels with others. So in my Lexio Divina, I had um, been blessed, blessed, and it is fundamental to my life now fundamental where I can't imagine that I didn't have that prayer group who helped me learn this form of prayer. And I was praying over, and I have to sit this down, sorry, because I'll be too nervous. And so I was praying over scripture. Now, Alexio Divina in kind of a quick nutshell, if you're not, how many of you are familiar? So I don't have to really say a whole lot. So it's entering into the scene of the scripture. And I recognize not all scripture that we read is like the scene you can enter sometimes. But sometimes I used to get hung up in the beginning and we talked about in our group how we'd, we'd like, well, nothing really happened. I don't get it. Like, what do you mean enter the scene? And we were probably being a little too academic about it. We were trying to ponder it and think about the message in it and think about what was the everything that underlines it in the history and trying to, to make it more of an academic study. And then finally, and it, it took a while. It's not, it didn't just come automatic. But in sticking with it in our group and we were committed to each other and we held each other accountable and we shared our struggles, it has now become invaluable part of how I receive God's love. And how he talks to me in my daily life. And um, so, this is an ex- I mean, so this is an example. I was praying over and trying to enter the scene of the transfiguration. And in doing that, not letting anything academically say what is the theology behind this or what is happening in this time of history... I try to let myself experience the words, and, and a lot of times for me, Lexio Divina becomes like my experience of something's meshed in with what the scene is, and it becomes one. So this scene is actually my family and I on a hike, and so it kind of happens that way where like I'm hiking with Christ going up this mountain, but it's kind of like a scene I had with my family, but not quite. What was interesting when I was preparing for this talk I went to the online, I went to my family pictures, and I went to find this picture of what I meditated on. I couldn't find the picture. 
because it is so vivid and so real to me that nothing really fit. I was really kind of disappointed because I'm like, it's, it's supposed to be rocky and like shrubbery but green and it's supposed to actually be steeper and rugged and I just had to settle on a picture because it is so vivid to me and so true and such um, a real part of my relationship with Christ that I wanted this real image to be up there. <laughs> and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up the high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here, and if you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And I took that meditation, and Christ and I were on our journey up that hill, and I was the one right behind him going up the mountain, and the two other disciples were behind me. And I kept talking to Jesus the whole way, and he kept ignoring me. (laughs) And I was kind of like, where are we going, and why are we doing this, and this is really like hard and it's hot and I was kind of whining the whole time and he never really responded and then I was kind of like Jesus, you're not even listening you're not even paying attention and we kept going and we got to the mountaintop and he went further away from me and at that moment was like the scripture said where he was in his full glory and I fell and I was on my knees and I was really feeling just that whole thing that we all experience when you're like, you have past hurts and pain, and you you really realize that moment if you're with Christ, you are not worthy, and you're a sinner, and you don't like yourself. And I was on the ground, crouched over like this, far away from him, and I don't know what happened to the other disciples. <laughs> they weren't in the picture anymore. And... Christ came over to me, and he put his hand just on my back at first, but close. And then his hand started healing. And he, I'm sorry, he started healing some wounds I have been struggling with since very young age. I would have never got that healing if I didn't have a small prayer group who led me to that form of prayer. I don't know if somebody handed me that paper at a conference, because it's been handed out all over the diocese. We know about it. I have it. I have that cheat sheet. I don't know if I didn't experience it with the people who were trying it, and it wasn't working, and we're like, what's the point of it? And how do you enter the scene, and we didn't go through that struggle together? I'm not sure I would have stuck with it. Or I would have got to the point where I am today with that form of prayer. And he was touching my hand. And it was literally visually healing my inside and my heart. And he took me to him. 
to where I still wouldn't look. And he took me by my shoulders and put me to his chest. And then the cloud said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And he whispered to me, let me heal you. And that was one of the beginning meditations that I've had in Lectio Divina. And not everyone is like that or that powerful. And people struggle more than others to have what they are, like some people in our group say, well, that's such a lively meditation and it's so vivid for you. And God has blessed me and spoke to me through that form of prayer. But I share that because that was a turning point. And that is helping me do what Jim Beckman has been saying. And when I was listening to his talk this morning, I couldn't help but go, God is so good. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying relationship, identity, mission. My mission, why I'm here today, is because I got a relationship with Christ through prayer, through that small prayer group where I studied it. And I'm learning about myself, and I am learning to love myself and accept myself. And it made me take on the mission when I was asked to talk today. That's not really natural for me to want to stand up here and present like this. But I felt so called because I believe so much in small prayer group. Um, And then, you know, and there are so many other blessings. I have been able to take prayer and Catholic faith and spirituality into my home as I was raising my kids because people came to a group with me who are all on different paths and they shared with me how they share spirituality in their home. And we talked together. And so I can't even tell you all the ways I've been blessed. But I do know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for those groups. Um, Let me review (laughs) what I want to say. Um, yeah, I think that, that sums it up. <laughs> so, we don't want to just leave you with, okay, that, but, and hopefully it's kind of been coming out as we've been talking, but the practical side of it, you know, like, so, is it on your heart to be in a group, are you called to a group, are you called to form a group? And Next right before we said. get to that, <laughs> oh, I just wanted to share... I uh, sh- share my yeah, experience I too. So apologize. Thank you. That's obviously a, <laughs> that's obviously a very real encounter with the Lord, right? That was yeah facilitated because there's a group of people who are willing to get together and work through it together and be kind of each other and stick it out. Um, and I've had I've had similar experiences too, and I've benefited from uh, small groups as well. There's one one in particular I remember that kept me going it was um the first semester of my sophomore year of college when I was still at Creighton University um I kind of had my conversion moment at a focus national conference my freshman year I did Duke and Altum uh for the diocese here in Rapid City uh that that summer afterwards and it was at that point that it became pretty obvious after running around the diocese with three other seminarians that I needed to go I needed to go to seminary to discern if if this was what God was calling me to. And then I went back to Creighton for, for that first semester, and then I transferred at um, at Christmas break and joined seminary the next semester. But that first semester, I 
I joined a focused Bible study. It wasn't actually at Creighton. It was actually at the uh, University of Nebraska-Omaha. Um, but there was, a, there was a leader. His name was Mark. And he, he got a bunch of guys together. And he just led us in a, a focused men's study, Bible study. And, yeah, to be honest, I don't remember having any, any super powerful encounters quite like that. But I know, I know that Mark cared about me. He invested in me. And he, he sought me out, and he, he had an intentional relationship with me in a way that, that I needed, that, that kept me going. Because I was kind of um, flying solo at, at Creighton. I had good friends, but um, not a whole lot of uh, influence bringing me deeper into prayer. But he did, and that's what, that's what he was about. He wanted me there. He wanted me in that study, and it, it kept me going every week. And I remember just, like, really looking forward to it. Um, had no... No problem whatsoever driving across town, across Omaha, to get to another campus to go to the study. Um, so that was, yeah, that was just one one small experience of mine that, yeah, kind of same thing, just kept me going, and it, yeah, got me the, got me through that semester and then uh, into summer. It was that semester that I filled out the the application and went through that process. Uh, the other reason I'm here is because I'm the director of youth and young adult ministry, and so I wanted to give kind of the youth perspective as well, the uh, that spin on it. Uh, where do I want to begin? I gotta look at my notes too. Uh, I'll start with another example. It's uh, not something I was in, but I witnessed it. Uh, it's the power that this kind of group can have with high school youth as well. Uh, when I was at St. Therese, I helped uh, start a couple Y Disciple groups um, of post-confirmation kids. Uh, not a, a ton of kids that came out for that, but I did get one men's group going and one women's group going, and I just kind of gave the leaders charge and let them do their thing and then didn't really think about it. Um, but <laughs> Stacy, who was a trained focus missionary, again, fo- connected to focus, uh, she led a group of high school girls, and that group took off like, like you would not believe. Uh, they were all juniors or seniors, post-confirmation, Right, a lot of time that that was the age group that checked out. Right, they were done with confirmation, and so they were done, and you had a hard time seeing them again. But this group just took off. They loved what they did. They had their own fire, their own initiative. They started making their own plans. They started planning their own road trips. They met every week. They were pretty faithful to it, and and they they took ownership of it and they loved it. They loved it. Now imagine that high school students loving. Catholic youth ministry. It's possible. It's possible. Um, so I just wanted to, to touch on that. Is to not just for ourselves, right? That's an important part. Is to to be fed, to participate in that uh, with other people we trust, but also to right. Like he was talking about, everyone is called to evangelize, and so to be willing to lead in some form or another too. So just to get uh, youth ministry on your mind and kind of the need uh, they have there. I was going to grab uh, one of the Y Disciple brochures I have on my uh, booth because on the front page it lists the five needs um, of high schoolers, five needs of teenagers. Um, so just to touch on a couple of those, youth need to share their faith too. They, they do have faith, right? It starts very young, but they're in a growing process. We all remember how turbulent high school years can be. And they have a lot of questions, and they, they want to know. A lot of times they come off, right, it's like jaded, uninterested. 
Um, but there's always more going on underneath. So they need to share their faith too. They need a small group setting too. Some sort of social relationship where they can uh, share their faith, where they can talk about it, where they can ask questions. Um, but a, particularly for youth, they need mentors, right? They need guidance. Uh, you could put a group of high schoolers together and and hope for the best, but if they don't have a leader, right, who's, who's a little ahead of them, that could turn out very bad. That could be disastrous. Who knows what kind of crazy things they would end up doing. Um, so in a particular way, younger people need guidance. They need people who've gone on the path before who can share their insights, share their own uh, more mature faith, answer questions uh, to, to guide them. That's, that's what they need. And then last but not least, uh, they need to be treated as they really are, which is potential saints. Right? They have great potential. They have great energy. Uh, just looking at the stories of the saints who are teenagers, right, it's phenomenal. It's possible. As, as weird or as crazy or as angsty as teenagers can be, right? they have the potential to be saints. But they need people to foster that in them. They need someone to invest in them the way Mark invested in me and the way Stacy invested in her high school girls. Um, at that young age, there's a lot of hunger, but just not a lot of clear sight, not a lot of clear direction. They just need someone to walk down the path with them, keep them from falling off the edge of the cliff. Um, so that's, that's uh, just kind of the, the youth ministry perspective and the need that's, that's really out there. This can be right with peers, right, for yourself and for each other, um, but there's also groups, right, that need a leader, that do need someone who uh, maybe knows a little bit more, who can just kind of give that guidance to everybody else, and that's especially true for youth. So as, uh, as Julie was saying, we don't just want to leave you with the ideas, right? Just some, some practical things that you can do uh, so we can really encourage you to, to take this home. Uh, Jim's given us a, a ton of stuff to work with and we're going to try to give you a little bit more uh, so that hopefully you have something on your heart when you head back to the parish you can uh, run with it so <clears throat> so prayer and you've heard a lot of that and truly start with prayer and see if your heart and God is calling you to yeah, youth ministry, youth small group, small group with you at your church, with a group of friends, but start with prayer and see where God is leading you. Start with prayer with whatever group you're in. Some of my, you know, studies were the books, but I never, it, it's never to be just the books. It's the formation of that relationship through prayer. And so always hang on to that prayer because I've also been in a group where it seems that's lost and we have to pull ourselves back to saying, how is God at work in your life? What is your prayer life like? Because it goes hand in hand. Um, and, you know, look around and pray about how you, just the process even you'll go about in doing it. And not to forget that component of hospitality and being open to others. And put it in bulletins by all means and everywhere, but that personal extended invitation of personal invite when you know of a group or you're starting a group or have a group. 
is huge because I would have missed the boat if somebody had not told me personally six years that had already gone by and I didn't jump on board in that trail ever until I was personally invited. So prayer, any more you want to add? That's, I mean, that's what we've been talking about all conference, right? That's, that's the heart of it. And we're going to keep hammering it because we cannot forget that. It doesn't work otherwise. If it's not, if it's not from God, it falls apart. So pray. Um, just a few more. Uh, keep it simple. It doesn't have to be complex. It might be intimidating, right? Somebody comes up to you, hey, will you facilitate a small group? Will you lead us? It doesn't have to be as complicated. Like, like Julie said, it seems like we feel like we need to be perfectly prepared. We need to know every answer. We have to have you know, every question down, know every, every in and out. And then once I'm comfortable, then, then I can lead. Right? It doesn't have to be that complicated. Right? Some groups, it depends on the nature of the group and uh, what the goal is. But there doesn't even necessarily have to be a, a leader, a facilitator. Some groups need that. But in any case, keep it simple. Keep it real. Uh, it's just organic relationships. Get to know each other. And, and go forward. Have the courage to, to jump in. Makes me think of uh, Peter getting out of the boat. He obviously knows he can't walk on water. But he gets out anyway. Right? If he felt like he, he was not going to start until he felt prepared, right? Until he knew he could do it, never would have happened. But he just gets out and starts walking, and the Lord provides. Um, and in, in this case, a, a fantastic miracle of walking on water. And then I guess I already touched on the, in, the next one, to invite. And that it is that personal invitation that you extend that often makes the difference and, and helps. Um, make them feel welcome and... Um, yeah, we touched that one. Um, the next one, just the practical step. Moving forward, right? You're going to keep keep doing this. So keep it simple. Be courageous. Just go for it. Uh, invite. Right? Find the people that you want in this small group. And then that, the next question, the very obvious question is, what's the goal? What are we doing? What are we trying to do? Is it a men's group? Uh, is it a youth group? Are you going to start a Y Disciple? Uh, what's, what's the goal? Do you want intellectual formation, right? You want to know more about the faith. You want to maybe know more about scripture. So you're going to find a scripture study, right? You have to set the goal so that you can orient everything towards that. Maybe it's prayer. Should be, I highly recommend a good place to start. Maybe you just want to get together and pray. Pray with each other, pray for each other, and learn how to go deeper into Lexio Divina style prayer so that scripture can really come alive. Um, if that's the goal, that you've, got to, you've got to know that so you can plan everything else accordingly. So for then the next obviously practical step is answer the why. So those are logistics. Like the mother's Bible study, we always had to make sure there was somebody who was helping with the kids because mothers would worry about where are the kids or how do I actually go to this if I have kids at home. Logistics of when, um, you know, you might want to start and say, I'm going to start a group on Thursday nights if you're confined to a when. Or maybe you're, you're with your group and you say what works best for our group and deciding the when. And the how often, um, you know, once a week or every other week. And depending on the goal, what would make sense for how often you meet. One of the good starting tips that I could um, say is probably kind of pertinent to starting would be to put a time frame for your people on it. Like, we're going to do this book, and I have it planned out. It might be six weeks. So they know it's just, 
It's not this endless, I've just committed to these people forever. That's kind of scary. That you that it does help to join when you kind of know what you're getting into. <laughs> so if you kind of put a time frame to it, and that doesn't mean it ends. My groups haven't ended. I've been in a group for um, some time. But that when you can start and you know it's this time frame and you can reevaluate or do we want to do another book together the what do we the goal of like what we're studying and if we are still about prayer is there another form of prayer we want to study if it was about learning about the catholic faith you can go to all kinds of places to get resources the diocese library has you know books on that are on dvd and that's your facility presenter really somebody you put in the DVD and they present and then you're just the person to keep the conversation going with questions or if it's a book and it's you do it like book club and you meet at someone's home and you're discussing it. Um, so there's lots of simple ways to get started that can have a big impact and, and develop relationship with others and God. Um, so not to let that overwhelm you but you'd want to plan some of those logistics um, if you're if you're moving forward with with developing a small faith sharing group, so it starts with prayer, right? Comes from prayer. What is what is God asking of you? Starts with the relationship, and then from there, keep it simple and just go for it. Invite, figure out who's going to be in this group. Uh, answer the question why? What's the goal? What are we going to do? And there's the logistics, right? The time frame, is this a six-week series? Are we going to do this indefinitely? Um, when and where is this going to happen? What room are we going to be in, etc.? And then once you know all that, right, once you're kind of set up, then you can start, right? You just go for it. You schedule the time. You've got your time and place and goal. You've got your people. And you've talked about it and you've invited them. And you go, you start. Um, and then once you've started, once you're there, the next uh kind of practical tip to make this work is to ask for commitment and consistency, right? Because I've seen that before where uh, groups start and fade out right away and uh, there's, uh, this was kind of the problem with the, the other high school Y Disciple group that said, right? The girls just took off. Uh, once they got together, they, they kind of had their own initiative, but the guys just kind of struggled along because they were consistent in showing up. One week it would be all five or six guys, the next week it would be two, the next week it would be three, the next week it would be one. Uh, there wasn't commitment and consistency. And so that's, that's an important thing to, to start it off right and to keep it going. I think you have to act, ask for it. Like just make it clear for everyone. Right? If we're in on this, right? if we're going to go deeper, we need that trust uh, to be able to go deeper. If we're going to trust each other and, and flesh some of these things out. There's, there's a need for commitment and consistency. So you have to ask for it. And then there's the, the part of small faith sharing groups where you're being fed and you're growing with others and deeper in community with them, but also that call of to feed others, like youth ministry. Or I've been in a group, well, this, this particular group, I, I don't know, maybe three or four years, and... God is putting on my heart to go feed others. Now, I, I still would not say I'm the teacher of anything, of any of the things I've studied, but I do feel I could go start a group and say with some more people, do you want to learn about prayer? Is somebody interested in it? And people 
um, have come to me and asked about that. And so there is the feeding myself and feeding others and that evangelization component that it's not just for me, it is relationship and the growing and the evangelization, the mission that we heard early this morning of our church and our mission. And of course, um, like I said, in prayer, so it kind of will depend where you're at in the RIM, relationship, identity, mission, in your life. At what point, at what part of small faith sharing groups you'd be involved in or um, get going. And, you know, for like conclusion, <laughs> I'm just going to throw this in. I'm not really sure how our conclusion was. <laughs> but there's two things Jim Beckman said that I thought would be a good thing to echo in this session. And it says, if you want to live a lively faith, enter into relationship with God and others. And that's how you do it. When you're sitting there hearing people and hearing things like I tend to do, okay, but how does that look? That's how it looks. Small faith sharing groups can enter you into lively faith with others and draw you in closer to others and God through prayer. And his second thing was on that slide that said, you don't need the training to go out and proclaim the love. Doing is probably the training. And like I said, I'm, I'm a teacher by trade. But this is not the content area I know well, but I can facilitate and I can share my experiences and I can journey together with people. Anything Amen. more, Dennis? <laughs> um, the last thing we were just going to share, just to put on your mind, is uh, resources. And then go into questions, maybe. There we go. Um, I would say this is actually like the least important question to answer. Did you, find that, did you pull that up? I haven't yet, but I can, I can show them. So there's, there's a million resources out there, and a lot of them are very good. Um, those other things are what you need to figure out first, right? First has to come from prayer. Invite, personal invite, who's going to be there? Go for it. And then you can just find a resource that fits the goal. What's your, what's your goal? There's, and there's lots of resources. I didn't know about this one. You showed me access. other one. Way cool. So any questions or comments? I'm just going to comment. We use form.org a lot out at Our Lady of Black Hills. And um, right now the Sunday group is doing um, a, a small group study on evangelization. And they're studying the Acts, the, the first um, Catholics, the first Christians in the, in the Acts. So it's a scripture study, but with the emphasis of looking at how did that church grow. And it's a beautiful program, and there's all kinds of programs on there. It's, um, it, it's quite a resource. Well, that's the sacrament users forum.org for our city, too. And that's awesome. That's really nice. You've got a lot of experience, both of you. Do you ever have the experience of small face sharing groups growing into, how do you keep them from becoming cliques? Uh, <laughs> that's another class. That, yeah, that's another class. good answer, Deb. That's another class. But maybe it's not your experience, but it seems like um, a danger. I would think, okay, I would like to think it's not been my experience, but I do know people who want to join our group, but we're trying to keep our group, like, because it's small, and we've gotten to know each other, so we're like, 
So then that's where I feel like I'm called to say, I'd be happy to start a group and get a group going. <coughs> it's one of the solutions I would say to that so that it doesn't become, like, and, and others in my group, we need to branch out and start to move to others. Um, I, I was in a group one time, John, that uh, what we did was there were eight of us and we met for a year. And then at the end of the year, we would split into two groups of four and, and invite four more people in. And it was hard because those eight people had formed a closeness and we didn't want to give it up. And yet it was very fruitful to do that. And it, it allowed us, it, we went on for about four or five years and to just keep including more and more people. So it was very intentional. Very intentional. As I say, I think, I think Jim Beckman was already talking about that, right? The goal, the end game, is to become a disciple maker, right? To become a spiritual multiplier. And yeah, to do that, you can't, you can't huddle up forever. You can't stick with your... Can't live and one of, so you my, to, one of my thoughts when people have asked me about that for a group, it's not really my group that they're hungry for or my group that they want. And what they want is what they're seeing, that closeness, that relationship, learning more about my faith, growing closer to God... And that if we are brave and we do what our mission is and evangelize and move out and make branch off, that's an excellent way to do it, um, to start to do that. Thank you. We're just about out of time. I just wanted to show you this quick in regards to resources, what we were just talking about, formed.org. Uh, check and see if your parish has a subscription already, because if your parish has a subscription, then every parishioner has access to this already. We if don't not, see it. That's not what we see. Oh, Sorry. I know how to fix this. It's been freezing up all day. I'll just share while we're waiting. Yeah, go ahead. A friend of mine started a Renew group. We did Renew uh, 10 years ago, and we're still meeting. Um, sometimes we do the Renew book. Sometimes we do a book study. And we were the grade eight, then we were the fine nine, and now we're, there's ten of us. But I think we're topping out there. But um, it's just given us a reason to continue to study. Um, just a really nice little group. It is. It's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way, too, to um, when we had the new Roman Missal. You know, if you've got existing groups, to your choir or something like that, that's a great way if you're going to start working on something that the church wants you to do. You can do it within that. <coughs> mm -hmm. All right, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah. If your parish has a subscription, you already have access to this. Um, if not, an individual subscription is $10 a month, so it's pretty cheap. Um, and this is basically the Augustine Institute and Lighthouse Catholic Media teaming up and putting everything at the same place. So you have online, so you have streaming access to everything. Uh, there's all these programs... Exploring the Catholic Faith, Sacramental Preparation, uh, Youth Ministry, uh, Hearts of Fire, Parish-based programs, Discipleship Groups, uh, Special Topics. Those are just the, the developed programs. Randy, There's I would point out one thing, skip point. Discipleship Groups, um, the top ones are generally large group oriented exploring the Catholic faith, for example, Symbolon, but what they've done is reduced it down on those lower ones to oriented to small groups. It's, uh, it, 
it will say small group someplace, discipleship group right there. So you have a symbol on there, but they've reoriented it so it's really oriented to small group studies as opposed to the teaching type of studies that we have on Sundays. So there's a great reason. There you go. You want to start, you want to start a small group for Advent? That's your goal? That's your goal is to you know go deeper into Advent with a certain group of people trust, and then you go to Formed, and then, oh, there's an Advent discipleship group series. Good to go. Um, there's also movies that you can live stream. It's been called the Catholic Netflix. <laughs> There's audio you can stream, listen to, talks, and books you can download even as well. So there's a, a ton of resources. Uh, everything you need is there, right? Just start start with prayer and let God take you from there. parishes there's a there's a good handful of them now. You'll have to ask uh, Sherry Braun. She has a table in the dining room, actually, in the vendor booth area. You can ask her. She has a list of which parishes have it and which don't. So if you catch her, she can tell you more about it. You can steal another parish's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. All right, let's 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 end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, our Mother, we entrust ourselves to you. We ask you to... Protect us, continue to foster the grace in us. We pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Is that your water? I guess I'm going to go down. Uh, somebody. Sorry.